0: Welcome to the Fantasy Ace Ball Podcast. This is your host, Tim Kanak. You can find me on X at Fantasy Ace Ball. Look, I did it. I said X with no preamble. That might be the first time. <laughs> and we have got Raymond here. Time. We got Raymond here. We're both on Team Fuck Ohio State. And there we go. Dropping an F-bomb first minute of, that, of the podcast. Because right now, Mizzou is playing Ohio State. I went to Mizzou. Raymond is a Michigan fan. So we're both on Team... Block M. We're both on team. Fuck Ohio State right now. How you doing, Raymond?
1: Good, man. How you doing?
0: Excellent. You can find Raymond on X at Raymond Atherton. Not at fuck Ohio State. Though that would be awesome. (laughs) All right. Go ahead. Hit me. Go. No, you go. I
1: was just going to say, I think I found out the news item that you thought we were missing. Was that Yankees-Indians trade? Guardians trade? Or Mitch oh. Garver, one of the two.
0: Oh yes, Mitch Garver. Uh, the Yankees trade. What was that one?
1: Cody Morris for, French for French. Estevan Florial.
0: Yeah, that's right. Uh, Cody Morris is going to be in the bullpen for the Yankees. Probably they hope he can take over that Michael King role. I think Estevan Florial, I think, is just dead man walking. I don't. I think he's kind of useless, but. I don't know. The Guardians are pretty bad about accumulating offensive talent. That's my assessment of that deal.
1: Yeah, same. It seems like uh, the Yankees had too many outfielders after that Soto trade, and the Guardians kind of soured on Cody Morris. Didn't really know what to do with him. So, yeah. Yeah. Fresh start for both guys.
0: Also, no pitching. They literally – like, I think right now they've got Clayton Beater specced – to be the number five starter, they traded basically all of their pitching depth in that Soto deal. Like it was like four pitchers or something for Soto, so <laughs> there's a lot of pitching in one trade. I mean, it's going to be worth it for them, but pretty pretty sick to trade like your number five, number four, number five starters, and then like your also like your swing guy and like probably your, your you, best you know like an, a bullpen prospect. guy. Who's, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot a lot of pitching. Bye bye.
1: They'll sign or trade for somebody. I'm really surprised they weren't in on like Flaherty.
0: Maybe they Dude, were, no, but nobody should be in Flaherty. Nobody. <laughs> He's so Dude, bad. the Tigers think they can fix him. He's just so bad. I don't know how you can fix him because it's, it's for him. It's a mental thing. He's just not a gamer. He's just a big crybaby, and that's his problem. Like <laughs> you have to be a, to be a good pitcher in the majors. I mean, like I know Mano was so bad last year, but you almost need that bulldog mindset. You know what I mean? Like if you're not gonna, if you're not going to go mental
1: fortitude,
0: it, yeah. If you don't have that, then you give up a home run. You're like, man, man, it's not fair. Like <laughs> it's flarity. It's like, dude, you just gave up a homer, and instead of like moving on and going forward, he just like it's like replays in his head over and over again, and then he just shoots himself in the foot. So I, I watched it for like six years. I'm so glad I don't have to watch anymore. You know, what, do, you know I, I, as a good friend, I feel bad for you. <laughs> you know what? I hope so happens, it. and I don't know if I've said this yet, but I hope
1: the Tigers fix Flaherty, and then they trade him back to the Cardinals at the deadline for some prospects or something.
0: Oh, Tink, no. Oh God, no! The Cardinals, will, the Cardinals gonna, will wait until he's 40 to bring him back because that's I'm going to wish did. that into existence. <laughs> They wait, they, they don't bring anyone back until they're 40. Look at Lance Lynn and, out- and lead doubles.
1: the league in home runs allowed.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um. So, Mitch Garver, I kind of like that deal for the Mariners. It's interesting. They get a back, backup catcher and it's basically they're starting DH in one deal. So, they he still might- need a lot of offense because they basically traded their entire outfield minus J Rod and they didn't have a second baseman anyway because it was Colton Wong last year. So they still need a ton of offense on that team, but Garber is a good start, I think. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I think he might even be a third catcher because they have that Sebi Zavela guy too, right? Um, yeah.
0: Tom Murphy gone.
1: He went to the Giants. But, yeah, I mean, it's all about health with him, right? He's got to stay healthy. Uh, I think he's played like 80 games the last few years or something like that, but not catching will probably help that front. Um, I did hear that his DH splits, he bats like 179 or something. Terrible as a oh, DH. Really? So he's going to have to figure that out, but I don't buy too much into that because Miguel Cabrera was always a terrible DH until they made him a full time DH, and they're just like, "Dude, figure it out. Like, go ride the bike in between innings, or do some cardio, whatever you got to do." So, you just got to figure it out.
0: Yeah, I think it ha- the same thing happened to Pools with the Angels, but yeah, I just think- there's a transition period. Yeah, exactly. And I think if he just knows like what days he's going to start a good amount ahead of time, like if they just tell him, "Hey, this is your pitcher." Like if they just give him one yeah. pitcher, and they're like, yeah. "This is your pitcher. You're going to play- you're going to catch on all of his days." The only guy, the only time you have to focus on catching is with this one pitcher. Then mm-hmm. that would give him less like mental like oh I have to do prepare and do all this like then he can just prepare to hit instead of like doing all the pregame catching prep stuff because that's a lot of they they do a ton. Catchers do more than any other position by far, I would say like mentally prep wise. Like it's not, I don't even think it's really close. They
1: have one of the best DHs of all time, too, to take some advice from. So I don't know how involved Edgar Martinez is with that team front office. But if he has any questions, you can just go ask.
0: Yeah, well, I guess that means that they're not going to get J.D. Martinez because they just blocked up their DH. That is one fault of signing someone who's going to primarily DH is that you're blocking up the ability to kind of, like, rotate guys in and out. Like, if someone gets hurt – like, for instance, what if someone gets hurt – and can't throw or can't run or do something for, for X amount of time, then you can't just plug them in a DH that you're you're forced to play somebody else somewhere where they don't fit.
1: Yeah, I guess. I mean you could have him catch a little bit more or maybe yeah. we'll see if they can teach him first base.
0: Yeah. I mean, like really we run into the same thing in fantasy. It's like that's the conundrum of drafting Shohei Otani Fre- in the first round. Or f- right.
1: Or Freddie Freeman in the first round, yeah.
0: Yeah, because you, then you're blocking up. Uh, Freeman, at least, like, Freeman can play first corner and utility, like, if you're playing, or, like, at least first and utility in most leagues. But, like, if you draft Otani, it's util only, and you're yeah. just plugging up that util spot that, like, I don't know, me as a fantasy manager, that's, like, the last thing I want to draft. I want to just leave that spot open and so that I can, like, hopefully, like, find some magic or whatever in waivers at some point, like, because then the, the position doesn't matter. You can just find whoever the best bat is or the hottest bat instead of like having to worry about plugging in a certain position.
1: Yeah, you lose all flexibility. So it just depends on depends on your roster construction.
0: Yeah. So other moves, uh we had Lucas Giolito signed today with the Red Sox, which offensive ballpark, uh somebody, I can't remember who posted It was Vlad Settler posted that he gave up. Last time he pitched in Boston, he pitched like one inning and gave up eight runs or something like that.
1: Eight runs, I saw that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so uh, maybe not his best ballpark. But then again, if he's going to be there all year in the same park and he's not going to get traded, that might do him some good because he was actually pretty good for the White Sox until he just got traded like twice in like a one-month span. I think that just messes with you when you have to keep moving and you're like, what the hell is going on? So... Uh, I don't know. Just being in one spot is going to be good for him, I think. Even if it is Boston, um, uh, where you know a lot of power can come off of the Green Monster, so he's going to just have to learn how to deal with that. But what do you think of Giolito in, in Boston? Like, is that a good fit? Do you think, or or where where are you on Giolito this year? I uh yeah,
1: I think he had a. I mean, he had a really good first half, and then like you said, he. He got traded, and then he got cut, and then he signed with another new team. But, dude, he had a 31.2% CSW on his changeup in the first half. Like, that's still elite. Uh, are
0: you drafting Giolito? Oh, play fake. Are you drafting Giolito in the top 50 starters?
1: Are you, are you watching football and talking about baseball? I am. <laughs> that's multitasking.
0: Um, it's about the best if- I can do.
1: <laughs> i don't know if i would be i think giolito is fine where he is gonna end up going but there's some names i like around around him a little bit more but i think he's fine he's thrown 160 innings four out of the last five years
0: yeah but where do you yeah. have him like i said you like ballpark you got him top 50 top 60 top 75 like where, where top are you 60 Gialito? sounds
1: top 60 sounds right like he's a safe innings eater, um, if he can get back to that first half or even close to it, and then the Red Sox don't they teach everyone like that sweeper that uh, they love Do so they? much? So I don't know. I was
0: reading, dude. You're reminding me of the. About tw- that. I think you're thinking of the Twins. The Twins are like the sweeper kings. Maybe, but but yeah, I don't know. I think that late
1: in the SP rankings, like there's just. You're either going for safe innings and hoping for upside, or like you're going for upside and hoping somebody can figure out the innings. So just depends on your team build at that point. And like I think Giolito and like Erod are pretty comparable. Like I'd be targeting both of those guys in that range. So yeah, yeah, top 60 is fine.
0: I think I might have Giolito ahead just for the Ks. Yeah, you do. Yep. So are there any other moves I'm missing right now? Or can we move on to talking about starting pitching?
1: IKF to the Blue Jays, Kiermaier to the Blue Jays. And then you said you wanted to talk about Yamamoto.
0: Yes, I do. Uh, so Yoshi Yamamoto, obviously the last episode was basically the Yamamoto cast. But in the meantime, in this week window between pods, I was able to do the F scores for Yoshi Yamamoto. Yamamoto and uh, I'm telling you, I was expecting him to be a top 15-ish pitcher, but I almost put him in tier one. I didn't just because he hasn't pitched in the majors yet, but I have Yamamoto right now, ranked as my number seven pitcher overall, Raymond. I have him, and this is what his his F scores came up with. And this is, uh, first I'm going to give a little, talk about preambles. I'm going to give you a little preamble about what I did to get his F scores. I made a correlation table where I took All of the Japanese pitchers who have come from Japan to the U.S. over the last 10 years. And I took all of their last three years Japan stats on one side of the table. And on the other side of the table, I put all of their MLB stats once they came over. And so I got the stats from Japan on average versus the stats from the U.S. on average, which gave me a correlation between what's going to happen when they go from Japan to the U.S., so that gave me correlation numbers that I plugged in to kind of take Yamamoto's Japanese numbers and then correlate it over to what he should be doing with the Dodgers this year. And so that took me forever. J- just for me to do the s for this one guy took me like multiple hours. Whereas like usually I spend like 20 minutes per person or something like that per like player. But Yamamoto... Uh, he has a durability score of 101 because obviously in Japan, they're pitching less innings. They pitch every six day or like once a week, basically. So that means that if you look at the innings in Japan, unless their name is you Darvish, they're pitching only like 150, like 140 to 160 innings every season. They're not pitching 180, 200, whatever, like nowhere near that. Like they're like What's... always getting like 140 to 60. Except a Darvish, like Darvish is a freak of nature. He was pitching like 200 innings in Japan, <laughs> which is
1: crazy. I don't... I don't remember the exact number, but I looked it up last podcast. Like, what did I say? Like, eight or nine players through 200 innings last year. So, like, that's much less of a big deal than it used to be. Like, if he can throw 160 as a quote-unquote rookie with what you're about to get into, like, okay. I'll sign up for that right now.
0: I mean, I would say that's the high end. Like, honestly, looking at some of these numbers, I would almost expect the Dodgers to go 6 man rotation next year or at least some sort of, like, uh, they don't have kind of like what the Angels did with Otani, remember? Like where they, Otani pitched only every Sunday or whatever his first year. They might do some sort of like freak six man rotation where some guys move and some guys don't. I think you talked about that last pod um, about them doing like, I don't even know what you'd call that, like a hybrid six man rotation or something. But I, I i think they do do something to limit the innings or maybe they do what they did with the Marlins with Yuri Perez. Last year where they just go a few weeks around all-star break where he just doesn't pitch. So Yeah, that's, they're, they're, they're it's gonna pretty easy.
1: Pretty. Dude, Russell Resource has him penciled in as SP1, which is hysterical. But,
0: yeah, I mean – He should be. All... He's the, hi- the highest-paid pitcher of all time. He makes more <laughs> money than Garrett Cole. He should be SP1. <laughs> there's, uh,
1: there's all sorts of ways you can do that. Like, just not let him go back out for the sixth inning. Like, skip one start a month that ends up to 24, 30 innings by the end of the season. Like there's all sorts of stuff you can do. So yeah, shut him down for the all-star break, but if he's as good as he's supposed to be, he'll probably be at the all-star break. So, Oh
0: yeah. He, I think like he might start the all-star game. That's how good he is. So his, let's get into it. His, his stuff is one thirteen, which is not the best, but it's still very good. Like for instance, glass now has better stuff. Uh, Freddie Peralta has better stuff um Yuri Perez has better stuff uh the top 5 guys Burns Burns Cole Strider not Wheeler and and Gosman all have better stuff so 113 stuff is still really good but it's not like phenom- it's not like amazing you know what i mean so like as far as strikeouts is in like a comparison he should probably get as many strikeouts as Grayson Rodriguez or something like that like that's like as far as like innings and strikeouts and season total strikeouts, I would expect him to be on par with what G-Rod is proje- projected to do. Um, Wheeler is probably going to get more strikeouts total, but Yamamoto is probably going to get more K per nine or like more like a higher K percentage than someone like Wheeler. Um, he might also get like more strikeout. Like he's probably going to get. Another comp would be maybe like Braddish strikeouts or like Luis Castillo strikeouts. So that's kind of like the comp as far as like K's. Uh, control. He has a 127 control, which is, w- f- just for reference here, Logan Webb's control is 126. And Logan Webb is one of the best control pitchers in baseball. George Kirby, I think, has the highest control of any starter at 137. And is at 127. Yamamoto's control as far as F scores rates better than Wheeler, Strider, Cole, and Burns. Everybody in my first tier.
1: And almost F- everybody in your second tier.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. FERA, 165. So this is even with like ridiculous correlations. For instance, the correlation for home runs between Japan and the U.S. is basically two. So that means like I, I'm expecting in the, the equation I used, Is doubling the amount of homers that Yamamoto is going to give up from what he did in Japan per plate appearance. And he's still at a 165 FERA. So the (laughs) only guys, yeah. So the only guys that are higher than that, the only guy I think is Corbin Burns. I don't think I have a single pitcher with a higher FERA than Yamamoto besides Corbin Burns. And you have to factor in that Corbin Burns had an amazing, amazing, ridiculous second half last year. So that's playing a lot into Corbin Burns' F-scores is that second half. So Yamamoto uh, comes up with a 126 F-score, which is higher than Strider, higher than Wheeler. The only people that that have a higher F-score are Burns and Cole. And then the future F-score, because he's still only 25, and he's still getting better, because like last year was his best year in Japan, is a 144, which is the highest in baseball. So just F total F score wise, if I was just going to put 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 him in all based on F scores and not like try to place any okay, well he's coming over. There's some risk here, whatever. Like he would be my number three starter in baseball for F scores, and I might, based on the future F scores, even have bumped him ahead of Cole. And or I mean, like he could be he could be the best. What I'm trying to say here is he could be the best starter in baseball already next year, um, for fantasy even. So I'm going to be drafting the shit out of Yoshi Yamamoto. If he's a, available in like round three, round four, like that's going to be my jam, dude. Like if he, if, like for instance, I expect Burns, Cole, Strider, Wheeler, Gaussman, Kirby, probably like Pablo Lopez and maybe even like Glass now. There's going to be guys, like a bunch of guys. He might be like the 10th pitcher off the board or something like that on average, just ADP. And if I think he could be the best and I, I've got him at seven, just being safe, being conservative. But if I think he has a chance of being between 1 to 7 as a starting pitcher, and I can get him at SP 10, 11, 12, I'm going to be drafting the shit out of him. What do you think about my analysis on Yamamoto? And like, what are your thoughts on him going into the year?
1: So one of the things I appreciate about F scores is that it takes away a lot of the bias that I and others have. And so like I kind of want to pressure you to like... put him at four like I don't think you can realistically put him ahead of Burns Cole or Strider I think that's kind of I don't know they deserve it but like I wouldn't I I think those are the only three for sure I would take ahead of him no matter what no questions asked so put
0: put him put him ahead of Wheeler who cares Dude, Wheeler's but, just so durable. That's the one thing. Yeah, and like that's what pushes he, Wheeler into that tier. He's going to throw about that last pod. Is he just so forty durable.
1: or fifty more innings than him? Like, yeah, I get it. But no, I really like, I really like him too. I just for
0: like in, di- in Dynasty, he might be my number one, dude. Like, think about it.
1: Yeah,
0: he's yeah. he's younger than Burns, Cole, Strider. Or no, actually, he's like probably the same age as Strider, I think. But he's younger than Burns, Cole, Wheeler. Galsman, he's probably the same age as like Strider and Kirby. So in Dynasty, I would probably take him two to Strider, right? Like, I think you yeah, have to Strider ahead of him just because Strider's done it at the MLB, but.
1: He's technically a rookie too. So like in first year player drafts, he's by far, I think, the number one player.
0: Okay, so we, you, Gabe, and I have all chatted about this, but let's talk about it for a second. We have our 16 team fantasy baseball invitational odd new league. How much money do you think he's going to go for in this draft? Like, the thing is, in this league, I feel like nobody has money. The,
1: That's not, there's like, three or four teams that have $200.
0: Are there really? Yeah. Is that okay? Okay. So, a lot of teams don't have money. How, how expensive is Yamamoto going to get? And the funny thing is, a lot of the people in the league listen to this podcast. So this might, I might be influencing his price on this, dis- like, us yeah, discussing this in this last five, 10 minutes of Yamamoto. I probably raise his price like five or $10 just right here. <laughs> but what do you, what do you think, like, what do you think his value is going to be in this league? Like, where would you expect him to go as far as dollar value?
1: I was, I would expect him to go between like 35 and 45 and like to add a, layer of context to that is like I've been racking my brain trying to figure out how to cut enough money that I can afford him. So like cuz I know I'm not going to be able to do it based on my current roster construction. So, yeah, I think you got G-Rod for like 35 bucks or whatever. I would think I would think he goes 35 to 45, but like if there's a bidding war, dude, I could see him going up near coal money 50 55 like somebody really wants him
0: i think that's happening dude i would be i would honestly be surprised if he if he goes for cheaper than like 42 or 43 i'd be surprised i think he's gonna go i think he's gonna go for somewhere between like 42 to like 49 i don't know if anyone would press the dollar on the 50 just because it's in like hold on when you see that five you're like oh shit so I yeah, think it's like a
1: different animal.
0: Yeah. I think he's going to go somewhere between like 42, 43 to like 47, maybe like 47, 48 would be my guess. Yeah, I can Just do that. But I, th- I think he's definitely gonna be hovering more closer. Like, especially with this conversation, like closer to $45 than less. Because I can tell you that if he, like, even if I, like I will spend, if even if I only have $40 to spend, I would still yeah. spend 35 on Yamamoto. That's how, and I am on him.
1: Yeah, I thought about cutting Burns because, like, between Burns and, like, how much money I'd have left over, I could guarantee myself I'd either get Burns back or Yamamoto or maybe both. But
0: that's If two teams have $200, though, I don't know, dude. That might be risky. That's yeah, SP1 so like, right
1: there. <laughs> so, I don't know, man. Like, in auction, it's totally different. Like, especially, yeah, I don't know. I kind of wish, like, there was a first-year player draft in Otnew. That'd be really fun. But then I yeah, wouldn't well, have I mean, any chance is, to get them.
0: It's just not – It's there kind of is because all – well, I guess not really because the first-year players, once they're signed, they become available and they all get auctioned. They're just auctioned at different times. Right. So, like, it kind of depends on where they sign. Like, we had a run last year, which actually helped – some of the teams that are out, like you and me, for example, acquire a lot of this talent because the teams that are in, that are competing, they don't have the money to spend or the roster space to be rostering guys that just got drafted. Whereas, like, you and I are betting on Paul Skeens and White Langford and Dylan Cruz and stuff like that. And, like, if you're in first place, that means if you're going to pick one of those guys, you're going to spend eight, 6 8 $10 dollars and you're going to have to cut somebody and it's not worth it when you're like trying to win the league. So it actually benefits kind of the teams that are further down. It's almost like it's good. I feel like it's good for creating parity, to be honest, the way that it is yeah. for that reason.
1: Yeah. It, I think it's kind of the, like the player entry process could be cleaned up a little bit because like, I remember asking like when do schemes get added and stuff and the response I got was basically like whenever somebody asks about it, he get they get put into Atnu. Like that's a little bit sketchy. It'd be like I don't know. I feel like there's a better way to do that where like a week after the draft you upload
0: everyone who got drafted or whatever, but at least they get put in. On Yahoo, they're not even there.
1: Yeah. Like there's guys yeah. on
0: Yahoo that are top one hundred prospects that aren't even on Yahoo. Yeah. You're like, what the hell? <laughs>
1: So, yeah, given those two options, I'll take the hot new route. But yeah, it's a bit bit ridiculous.
0: All right. So, pitchers, we left off uh, around pitcher at starting pitcher 43 with Dylan Cease, is where we left off. Dylan Cease, I haven't ranked yet because he's like 99% going to get traded. So, I just have not done his F score yet. So, I
1: saw it like. I saw that they pulled him back, and then I saw the most recent thing I saw was the Reds were really interested, and then I saw another thing that the White Sox are probably going to hold on to him. It's like should I get off the pot, dude?
0: No, they're going to trade him. They're just waiting for Snell. To... They're just waiting for all the pitchers to sign so they can get more for him. I think.
1: I don't know, man. They might. I feel like players or teams would rather trade people during the season than. In the off season,
0: I mean, it, it kind of depends on if they can get what they're asking for for him, because they were asking for like four top ten prospects or something like that for him. Which is yeah, dude, point. I saw I saw the package they wanted from the Reds,
1: and it was like Connor Phillips and
0: and Brent uh, and Chase Petty. It's like literally like three yeah. top one hundred pitchers, and I think they wanted and, a hitter too. Like there's another guy too, I think. Alex Dunn or something, whatever.
1: His last name was Dunn, I remember. Like, some toolsy outfielder who stole, like, 55 bases in the minors.
0: Yeah, go for it. I mean, like, if that's their asking price, it makes sense. They're not going to get that, though. They should They should probably get two, pro- two like, top prospects for him, but they're not going to get four or whatever. <laughs> like, that's insane. That's more than what got traded for Soto. Um, So let's get to this next tier. It's, going to, it's starting pitcher number 44 all the way through 69. So we talk nice. about the glob. We talk about these globs. Yeah, exactly. We talk about these globs, right? This is freaking glob 2.0 here. This is classic glob. So we have 44, Chris Bassett. 45, Aaron Savali. 46, Justin Steele. 47, Hunter Brown. 48, Tristan McKenzie. So I think let's just do this in like groupings. And instead of me just reading off 40 guys, like 30 guys or whatever this tier is, let's we'll do it a little grouping. So we've got Bassett, Savali, Steele, Brown, McKenzie. Uh, Bassett is the leader of durability of a 121, right? Like that dude always pitches and that's his leading skill. And then as far as stuff, the best stuff guy in this tier is Tristan McKenzie. Uh, he has insane stuff. He's coming off injury. He's really good in 2022. Like, for me, he was a top 35 starter or something going into last year. And then control is Savali, which that's what Savali is known for, and he got even better with the Rays last year. And you know me and Rays pitchers. I was all in an Eflin last year, and, like, Savali is kind of like the Eflin of this year, I feel like. I mean, the thing is, he was already there and kind of already got a little bit of the Rays bump last year. So kind of, we'll, we'll see how that affects ADP and if other people see it the same way that, you know, you and I probably do. And then FERA, uh, we have McKenzie with a 132 and Savali with a 129. So pretty good there. Where Steel is kind of just solid across the board. Like I was in on Steel last year, you and you, you know it. I had a few shares of Steel in some of the leagues that were both in, and I traded them in a couple of them because – I don't know. Like, he he pitched really well, but I think he was definitely pitching ahead of his skis last year. I think he's still good. I just don't think he's a top-20 pitcher or whatever like he was showing last year. I think he's more, like where I have him, like 46 or whatever. Like, he's more like 45 to 50 type, uh, where he's going to prevent runs, but he's not going to get a ton of Ks. Like, he's almost like a better version of Kyle Hendricks. And I think Savali is a better version of Steele, to be honest. Raise Savali anyway. And Bassett is, like – worse I think as a pitcher but he's just a lot more durable than those two whereas Brown and McKenzie are kind of the upside guys in this group but like what do you think of this little grouping here that I gave you and who do you want to really you know zero in on out of this group
1: I kind of skipped this group to zero in on but my favorite would probably be McKenzie like the like I said earlier like you're either you're either coming off an injury And you're more talented than the other people around you in ADP or the rankings, or you're boring and healthy. So, like, for me in this grouping, Mackenzie, like, last year was the first year I think I feel like he's been hurt. I didn't look that up, but it was a freak shoulder thing in spring training or whatever, and his season never Never got back on track after that. I think he came back towards the end of the year, but he wasn't the same. So if I'm making a bet around SP50, it'll be the the super talented guy, young young guy for a team that breeds stud pitchers. So that'd be my bet. I think you're right on Justin Steele. I don't think he's the top 20 starting pitcher. Dude, I th- I think I heard he was like SP9 or something last – like he was out of control <laughs> last year. Yeah, I don't think he's that good. I don't know if he's SP forty five. He might be somewhere in the thirties or whatever. But yeah, he was pitching over his over his skis, as you put it.
0: Dude, what do you think about Hunter Brown? Because I know you were kind of in on him just like me last year, and he had some really weird home and away splits last year. I don't know if you've looked into this, but last year uh, at home he had a six fifty six ERA, and on the road he had a three eighty ERA. And then like when you kind of zero down, you're like, 656 at home, what the hell? He had a, I want to say it was a 356 Babbitt. Yeah, 354 Babbitt at home. At home? Year. Yeah. I was going to say. His left on he... base rate was less than 60%. Uh, and on top of it, his walk rate, his walks per nine was were 4.2. And away, it was 2.28. Whereas his K per nine was the same. So I don't know if they just had like shitty umps at home, or, and then like he got bad luck, but I think that's gonna change because his ex at home, even with that six whatever e r a his ex at home was three eighty three yeah, it's just gotta be bad
1: luck my first inclination was just gonna say maybe he gives up a ton of pulled fly balls and they all left Houston, <laughs> but that is not the case, so yeah, yeah, I'd call that fluky. I'm still in on Hunter brown um. One of the reasons I loved him so much last year is because he was a spark, but um, I don't love him as much as I did last year. The Verlander comps, I think, kind of got out of control last year, but he's still... Well,
0: this is the thing. He still had an 18.5% K-walk rate last year, which is really good, and he had a 352 XFIP and a 374 Sierra versus a 509 ERA. So I wanted to point him out, and he's still only 20, he was still in 24 last year. He's going to be 25 this year. I just want to point this out because I feel like there's going to be significant value on Hunter Brown this year based on these metrics. Like if people just look at the 509 ERA, especially in like a home league and a 136 whip, you're going to be like, oh, Hunter Brown, he sucks. What, like what happened to this guy? He sucks. But his, like yeah. if you his just look ADP under is, the hood, like he's legit. His ADP
1: is 190 currently.
0: Where is that SPYs? 53. As as 53? Yeah, dude, I'm going to be drafting him. I've got him at like 40 – what do I have him at? 45 or something like that? 47? Yeah, I'm going to be mm-hmm. drafting some Hunter Brown because I think there's a, a decent amount of value right there. Oh, look at that. Finally a big play. There, <laughs> talking football. It's like a, Just like a 50-yard pass right now. First big play of the entire game.
1: <laughs> Earlier when I was talking shit about how this game doesn't matter and whatever – I was waiting for you to say something about Michigan and bowl games, and I'm like, yeah, dude, we're like one in seven in bowl games under Harbaugh. Like, let's not talk about that.
0: But <laughs> That's why it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> we're in and the only, playoff. It matters for recruiting. That's about it. And yeah. for like bragging rights. That's about it. <laughs> uh, I think all the players get paid, or they get like... Oh, no, they get they prizes use, or something like that. They used to get they prizes,
1: like, yeah. Now yeah, they that everyone get
0: gets paid, it doesn't matter, but no, Cotton Bowl is actually one of the best. I was re- like, "What do you get so, some T-shirts?" Yeah, when they were trying to figure out, they were saying, "Okay, is Mizzou going to be in the Peach Bowl or the Cotton Bowl?" And everyone was like, "The Cotton Bowl pays way, like way better." I don't know if it's because it's Texas, but they get like I don't know what they give them like, but they they get prizes or something. You know, they give they give them something. But whatever mm-hmm. they were getting at the Cotton Bowl was like wh- the value was like fifty grand or something. I, maybe I'm reading this wrong, but it was like fifty grand per player, whereas like. I think the Peach Bowl, they just give him like an Xbox. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like, oh, here's your $500 Xbox. And then they're giving him like Rolexes and stuff, <laughs> like the Cotton Bowl. So, <laughs> sheesh. Yeah. Oh, anyway, pitching. Uh, next grouping, I have Lucas Giolito at 49. That's a placeholder because I obviously have not done his F scores because he just signed today. Uh, Shota Imanaga, I have at 50. And I haven't done his F scores yet, either, because he hasn't signed yet. Nick Pavetta at fifty-one, Meryl Kelly at fifty-two, Brandon Fott at fifty-three, and Chris Sale at fifty-four. Out of this grouping here, who do you like? Because like just looking at this, you can see this, the highest stuff is actually like you might think Chris Sale is going to be the best stuff guy, and I haven't done Giolito and Imanaga's yet, and you, but the the best stuff guy is actually Nick Pavetta because he was just. I don't know what like he what happened with him last year. He's like a thirty three year old breakout. (laughs) Like everyone had been like waiting for Pavetta to break out for like ten years, and then he finally did it last year. So I don't know what's up, but he had the best stuff metrics in this group, and he had the second best FERA in this group to Chris Sale. So I don't know. So this is this is
1: the article I was reading. It was a Giolito article, and they were talking about how the Red Sox taught Pavetta. I forget if they called it a cutter or a sweeper, but, um, and they were talking about doing the same thing
0: to Giolito. So, uh, hadn't Pavetta been there for like five years or something though? I thought Pavetta has been there for a long time. And like, how are they going to use him
1: because he only took off after they put him in the bullpen. And then I don't know if he just channeled that energy or mindset or whatever it was back into the rotation, but, um, No dude, Merrill Kelly, I think, is the the low hanging fruit here. Like he's as boring as boring gets and I don't think I don't think it'll he'll ever be drafted where he should be based on his results and like he doesn't strike a ton of guys out, but um yeah, he's he's gonna be he's the type of player I wanna do a better job of drafting like the guy in the SP 50 range that is never going to kill you and is going to put up good counting stats, or not counting stats, good ratios for you all year.
0: For what it's worth, Pavetta right now is slated to be the number three starter for the Red Sox. Sale, Julio, Pavetta, Bayo, Hauk.
1: So he's going to be in the rotation all year?
0: Yeah, well, it looks like he's a roster resource has him locked in. Like, it's like a no-doubter, basically. He's him as the third guy. Let me ask you this: of the Red Sox, because we just, like, literally, this tier that we just talked about has Giolito, Pavetta, and Sale all in it. Yeah. <laughs> like, who are out of the three Red Sox, who are you taking?
1: Out of those three? Dude, this. I guess Pavetta. But, like, really? you're going
0: Pavetta over Sale and Giolito?
1: Dude, I've done the sale thing 2 years in a row and uh, it, hasn't, it hasn't it hasn't worked out. Like he I don't you just can't stay on the field.
0: We're and
1: I like Fott. I think I think I got caught up in the prospect hype. Um I thought he was much better than he actually I don't know. Probably is, but
0: He's in that safe. I put him in that safe territory. You know, I'm actually surprised to have him as high as I do, because when I like whenever I just started and I didn't do any F scores yet, right? I just made a list of all the names of all the guys, and when I did it by rankings, like in my head. I was like, okay, this this is where this guy's gonna go, right? Before I did any actual F scores, and I had fought around like seventy five or something like that.
1: That would be. So this
0: is one of the dudes who I really moved up a ton, and when I did that is before the playoffs. So it was before the whole playoff thing happened. But then when I did his F score, I was like, this actually kind of matches up with like the little bit of playoff hype. Like he was actually really good in the second half. He made some changes to what he was doing, but his second half was kind of like what we expected him to do. Almost like what G Rod went through. Like G, but not not as intense of a turnaround, but like. I don't know, maybe it's just something that we should expect from pitching prospects to not have immediate success when they come in and we'll talk about it in, in the next year with one of these guys that we're going to get into. But like, maybe we should just expect that when pitchers come up, they're not going to have immediate success like Spencer Strider or Bryce Miller. And that's more like, you know, the exception than the rule and that we should expect some sort of issues from these guys That, hey, they're going to run into bumps in the road, but eventually they'll settle back toward their – like don't drop them just because they have some bumps because eventually they're going to settle in. Like I think that might be something we need to do because how many people dropped G-Rod last year? How many people dropped Brandon Fott last year when they were struggling? You know what I mean? Like these these rookies and prospects, we need to, I think, as a group of fantasy baseball people, we need to kind of, I feel like, give them some leeway for struggles. Like what do you think about that?
1: Yeah, I've been kind of on that, on that bandwagon for a couple years now. It seems like ever since COVID, like development isn't as linear and trackable as it used to be. Like I remember, I don't know, Acuna is obviously the world beater, but like I remember the year that he came up, and it was just like, yes, this is. I don't know. I felt like I knew that was going to happen. And, like, now with all these prospects, it's, like, Miguel Vargas. Like, everyone, he was a top five prospect for three years, I feel like. And he might not crack the Dodgers
0: roster this year. Dude, he was still good last year in AAA. That's what (laughs) – I don't think he's a Michael Bush. Like, this is a guy that should get PTI, I think.
1: Uh, Maybe. I don't know. You can – I don't know. And, like, I feel like we always want – I've said this twice now like the, the shiny new toy and the new hot prospect and I want to do a better job of like not falling in love with the next big next big thing and like take some of these more reliable guys um, but yeah I mean they're human beings like they're not going to be perfect immediately when they come up like who's the who, who's the best rookie pitcher last year G-Rod and that came with half a season of struggles.
0: Yeah. Maybe it, it might not have even have been G Rod, Bobby Miller or freaking Bryce Miller. Like there were a lot of, I don't know. Anyway, uh, next tier of guys is number 55 through 61 that I want to talk about. We're going to talk about first 55 is Mason Miller, who, yes, I know he's supposed to be in the bullpen, blah, blah, blah. But we see guys who start the year in the bullpen and then they shuffle out of the bullpen to become a starter all the time. So I'm kind of like just leaving here as a placeholder and marking that he's supposed to be in the pen, but like he could start in the pen and then second half, like do the thing, the Yuri Caress thing where he just like disappears for a month or whatever in the minors around the all-star break. And then comes back as a starter if he like shows he's healthy. So I wouldn't be surprised if something like that happened. I doubt Mason Miller is going to just be a bullpen guy for the rest of his career. Now, does um, it, does it bother you that like,
1: they're already talking about this? like, does, this doesn't give you like AJ Puck vibes like that they don't really know how to well, use.
0: Well, the A's obviously have no idea how to develop pitchers because look what happened to the Hays They traded him for like a bag of fucking peanuts.
1: They traded uh, him for three months of Starling Marte <laughs> is what it was. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Exactly. A bag of peanuts. You a 35-year-old outfielder or whatever. Uh, but anyway, like they obviously have no idea how to develop pitchers because now Puck has been pretty good with the Marlins and just like, just like Lazardo was. I guess the A's are like the Marlins' A team, basically. At this point. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So w- w- just wait until Mason Marlin or Mason Miller becomes a Marlin, and then he's gonna be your a top thirty starter finally. But <laughs> uh, Mason Miller, I have here in this tier, he has the highest stuff at one nineteen and the highest FERA one thirty one. Obviously, one nineteen stuff and one thirty one your ER, FERA. That's close to like numbers we were talking about with the upper tier guys with like your Yamamoto and stuff like that. Like that's how good Mason Miller could be if he could stay healthy, but his durability is only 37. Cause this guy has never been able to stay on the field. So I think, and we're going to talk about him as a reliever too, when we get to the relief pitchers, like I think he's going to be a stud as a closer or even just any reliever, like Matt Brash, like stuff is going to happen with him at the worst probably Matt Brash, even better control. Uh, as a reliever, but Mason Miller, if he starts, those are the expected uh, F-score numbers for him as a starter. If he's a reliever, they go up even more. Um, So I don't know. Like, I've got him here at the top just because there's always a chance he starts again. Next, I've got Emmett Sheehan, who's the other guy I wanted to talk about. He struggled last year when he came up, but he was still dominant in the minors. And this is the leeway guy that I think, like, we should be on the lookout for. I think Sheehan is still gonna be really good because his numbers in the minors were insane. Like he was running like 40% K rates in the minors. So we got a guy here with a 114 stuff and a 118 F E R A. The control's 98, was so about average. But the stuff in the and the run prevention that he was showing in the minors was phenomenal. And even like under the hood in the majors, he settled down closer to the end of his like the season. Like the la- in September, he was a lot better than he was earlier. And people aren't going to see that. So I'm in on Emmett Sheehan this year. Uh, Braxton Garrett, that's a guy that we both always talked about last year that we were both in on, and that worked out for both of us. I'm still back in on Garrett. Bailey Ober is a guy I like a lot. So Bailey Ober is 58. So it goes Miller, Sheehan, Braxton Garrett, Bailey Ober. Uh, Bailey Ober has great control. Look at that, 123 control. That's almost Logan Webb. That's phenomenal control here for Ober Izzy. And then uh, Brian Bayo, number 59, Red Sox again. So Red Sox have like a lot of like top 60. They have four top 60 starters here by my rankings, which you wouldn't really expect from the Red Sox. But can they stay healthy? I don't know. That's what always happens. Carlos Rodon, 61, bounce back. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll let you talk about whether you think he's going to bounce back or, enough or not. But the 113 stuff, right. like he still had, even last year, he still had good stuff to carry that stuff rating over and then erod this is a guy that he was awesome last year but i don't really i don't know if i trust it dude like i he was in detroit that definitely helped him and he definitely had luck on his side the whole year like he was pitching above his head like ahead of the skis like whatever idiom you want to use the whole year so as a tigers fan i want to hear also about whether you're back in on him so like i like all of these guys are so interesting to me so i Kind of want you to run through each of them and give me your thoughts on them because I feel like in their own ways they're all interesting. Like Miller is like, okay, dominant closer or killer starter. Like he's going to do something good as long as he's healthy. Sheehan, I expect a nice bounce back. Garrett, still underrated, still good just because he has a shitty fastball. People don't like him, but the other stuff is so okay. good. Uh, Ober, underrated. Bayo, people think he's going to, you know, break because of the forearm. Then Rodan, bounce back. And Erod, like, is it real or is it not real? So, a lot of interesting things in this group here. What do you think?
1: Yeah i i think i'm I think I'm out on Miller at least until we see him in the spring. I mean, not very many people are drafting right now, so you'll probably have the answer to this by the time you actually have to make this decision. But I don't know until we see until we see it. I'm probably out. I mean, he threw what like 13 innings last year. <laughs> um, Sheehan, yeah, I think I think being a young a young pitcher for the Dodgers is only a good thing. And he'll probably I definitely think he'll get better. Um Brexton Garrett, dude, that fastball is just so bad. I had him I had you talk about young pitchers that you dropped. I had him in a couple leagues and dropped him. Held on to him in a couple other ones, but like, man, some of those starts are bad.
0: Yeah, and he uh, got blown up a few times. Like, he, I remember in I knew he I had like a negative 60 point start from him and literally lost a whole week because of him. Right. He gave up like five home runs in one game or something right. terrible like that.
1: So, I mean, if he can just get that fastball to like below average and not like worst in baseball, that'd be a massive step forward. Ober, dude, some people say Ober is the best pitcher on the Twins. So that's. I don't know. There's a lot to like there. Ryan Bale, yeah. I was in on him last year. I got him for like – I got him late, I felt like, in the season in my home league, and that paid off throughout the rest of the season. I'm out on Rodon. You know how I feel about the Yankees. Training staff. I have absolutely no faith in them to keep anyone healthy. And <laughs> Except I mean, Garrett Cole, who can't except,
0: who can never get injured. <laughs> he's apparently a robot. Yeah,
1: I don't. I think he's the exception that proves the rule. Um, Erod, yeah, I'm kind of buying Erod as long as you don't expect him to be a massive strikeout pitcher. Like, he improved his K rate and walk rate from 22 to 23, and I think he's due for some ERA regression for sure. But he gets almost a K per nine. He's thrown 160 innings three out of the last five years, and the two years he didn't, he, like, his wife, he had some really bad marital issues, and then the COVID year, so I think he's one of those guys that is right in that, like, safe, 160 innings, three, higher threes, ERA guy who's not gonna kill you, strike up per inning, like, nothing spectacular. He's gonna be on a pretty good team, I think. We all think the D-backs are gonna be pretty good, so maybe get some, maybe get some more win potential, quality starts. I I went through his game log earlier, and he only had five starts all year where he didn't go five innings, so gives you that longevity. So he's one of the guys that I will be, like I mentioned at the beginning, that I'll be targeting as just like a safe source of innings this late.
0: Yeah, so you're kind of gonna have like a high risk and then a high safety. You're not going to like, like you... medium guys. You're just going to be like, okay, I want this high strike guy. And then on the other, I'm going to counter it with like this very. Exactly.
1: It's uh, almost like here. you want, like, I want a pair of Tristan McKenzie and Erod.
0: Mm hmm. That's actually, that'd be an interesting combo there. So next grouping here Hunter Green, 62. And he has such funny F scores. Like, listen. Dude, I
1: bet. I bet. This, <laughs> I bet doing the, the math on him was so much fun. Yeah.
0: Yeah, is is especially him playing in Great American Small Park too. It just makes it even like it more. It makes everything more so, I feel like.
1: He was a two-way uh, player, wasn't he? When he got drafted, imagine if they kept him a hitter.
0: Like yeah, I, I think he played shortstop, I want to say. I
1: wonder what that universe looks like. Like is he uh <laughs> I don't know. Is he like uh a, a stud? He just won rookie of the year as a shortstop
0: yeah <laughs> yeah that's interesting to think about it's like kyler murray right like if he played right. baseball it would happen so uh hunter green 117 stuff 97 control and then 85 fera <laughs> just all those homers dude this gets shelled like great stuff strikes people out he either strikes people out or gets shelled it's one or the other
1: dude i feel um, like the 97 f control is too high
0: uh it's S- just so, on like just perceived, yeah. No, yeah. Ha- I mean, he has control. He's he spots his pitches okay. You know, like he he's all right. He's just he's gets I His stuff is just hittable. Like that's one of the things I think Eno talks about it a lot. Like he has such heat on that fastball, but it's straight as an arrow. Like it's there's straight, no, yeah, yeah. There, there's like no ride on it at all. So you just one. If the guy can catch a hundred whatever miles per hour. Then they can hit it, so that's what happens. And then if also you might not even be that. This is what happens to Hunter Green, like because he throws the ball so hard, even guys that don't normally hit the ball that hard, they're gonna hit it harder against him because they're they're hitting a 100 mile per hour fastball. So like they're Fun they're fact, gonna hit it harder I, that way.
1: I don't mean to poke a hole in your theory there, but uh, there's no correlation between pitch velocity and exit velocity.
0: Ah, interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, you learn something new every day. There you go, Mr. Science.
1: My Uh, (laughs) buddy that works at a baseball complex told me that a few years ago when I was spewing the same argument to him. And I'm like, well, fuck you then. (laughs)
0: That's funny. I got to get John Anderson to do some stuff on that. Um, (laughs) Maybe that's
1: changed because, yeah, that was a few years ago. But
0: Yeah, I've always thought the inverse because I've heard the inverse, but it could be wrong. So it might just be one of those things where you hear the yeah, same I, thing all the time. So you I think it's correct without think, actually researching yeah, I, it.
1: I think that's it. It's just universally accepted. But like, yeah. I mean, think of, think of like how hard a hung curveball or gets hit, or like a cement mixer slider, like that just doesn't do anything. Just spins right down the middle, and just like those are the pitches that go 500 feet and 122 miles an hour.
0: Yeah, or just give Vlad an aluminum bat. Right. <laughs> uh, so the rest of this tier we got ricky tiedemann number uh 63 i want to hear what you think about my ranking here but he has a 49 durability 121 stuff 96 control and 167 fera like what do you think about i guess it's Tiedemann. tiedemann i hear tiedemann more than Tiedemann. what do you think about i hear one?
1: Tiedemann. um i listen to way less podcasts than you do but my biggest thing about Tiedemann isn't even about Tiedemann. it's like you have him, what, 63, and Jackson Job isn't even ranked. And you rank, like, 200 people.
0: Dude, I don't think Joe's playing this year. He's like their I don't think, starter or something like that.
1: I don't think Tiedemann's going to play this year.
0: He's like He should play. He's, like, number six or something on their death chart. I, I knew the, you were going to say Jays that. The Jays do not just have wanted, as many pitchers as the Tigers.
1: I just wanted to give you shit for it. But, um, no, I mean, I think you might be, uh, no, I don't know. I don't know. I think you might be underselling the stuff, but... Yeah. Underselling? So,
0: 121 stuff?
1: I don't know. You mean overselling? Like... No. 121 I mean, is
0: insane. That's over Yuri,
1: dude. I really like... I like Tiedemann a lot. I just... With these, like, 21-year-olds, him and Job specifically are kind of on the same, like, trajectory, and workload concerns with them are even more prevalent than with other young starting pitchers because like you look at their game log in the minors and they're going three or four innings at a time and like until you start seeing that like five six consistently I
0: think, well i think they're quite a bit different because Job was hurt one, like once it had one bad injury and has been good has been like pitching ever since whereas i feel like tideman where whatever you want to call him, is hurt just call like, him ricky yeah ricky Ricky Bobby, he gets hurt all the time. Like, it's just like, right. It's just multiple injuries. Bunch of little stuff. Injury. Yeah. And then I think he's more like, Job is more control. Like, he's like a big control guy. Like, Job is more like a George Kirby type. Whereas, like, Tiedemann, dude, I, Mr. Ricky, he's like, f- f- like, more, s- also, like, toward the stuff, less control. Like, dude, I heard
1: he had, like, Job had, like, an 18 to 1 uh, K to walk ratio in the minors this year or something like that.
0: Like, just absurd. Yeah. He doesn't walk anybody. That's why. He reminds me of, like, uh, Cliff Lee or something. Remember, there's a Lee, There's a year where Cliff Lee on the Phillies had, like, two walks. He pitched, like, 200 <laughs> innings and only had, like, two walks.
1: That's insane.
0: Yeah. Uh, anyway, next pitcher, Ryan Pepio, 64. Rays got him, so now he's going to be, like, Talk about the uh, Savali, like Pepio's gonna be on that race train now. I think I already liked him anyway. Before then, he had 105 I'm... stuff, 113 control, 127 FERA. Now, at the race, like just pump Pepio up. I think at this point, that sounds yeah. like a dude. It sounds like I'm, I'm trying to get you to buy a drug, pump the Pepio, pump the <laughs> pepio. Uh, or like. Uh... <laughs>
1: Fantastic commercial. What's that? Uh, Pepto-Bismol. Pepto-Bismol.
0: Pump that Pepe. If you have an upset stomach, then take your Ryan Pepio. Uh, Charlie Mart- Charlie Morton, 65. Like, He just keeps going. He hasn't retired yet. He's getting worse. The last couple of years, I feel like he's been getting worse. The control is getting worse. He's giving up more homers. But he's still good. He's still pitching pretty deep. Still getting Ks. So he's still like a very usable guy. It's like a number, probably four or five starter on your fantasy team. Um, are you drafting Morton if, he, if he, you reach him around the stage, or what do you think? No, I don't think so. I I think I'll pass him up for a couple of names you have on here later. Here's a divisive guy, Christian Javier, number 66. Are you buying back in on Christian Javier? Because I was out on him last year, and I was right. That's a fucking win. <laughs> uh, I don't think so.
1: Yeah. Although, I'm like, so if you're just playing it, like, by the dip, like, I guess, maybe. But
0: I want to talk uh, about yeah. Pepio. Well, it depends on people. other people buying back in on him, too. Well, I don't know, like, because, what, two years ago? Your boy, he was 67, 67, Kenta Maeda, your boy.
1: My boy. Yeah, He's not my boy.
0: Uh, dude, you're going to love him. He's going to be so good in Detroit. He was good last year. 112 stuff, 110 control, 109 FERA. Those are phenomenal. The thing is, he's only going to pitch like 130 or 140 innings. But I think he's going to pitch some good innings when you get him.
1: That's perfect for Detroit because they want to have like a seven-man starting rotation. That's all they need. Um, Yeah. The thing I'm most excited about with Maeda, honestly, is like, I think he can make Casey Mize's splitter even better. Which, if healthy, would be huge. But, um, no, I, I'm out on Martin. I rode that that last year he was with the Braves. I was all in on Charlie Martin, and that did not go well. And then he broke his leg. And I don't know. I just feel like when your best pitch is your curveball, as you get older like that, and your fastball slows down, that makes it harder to stay Good above average.
0: I like that these last two guys in this tier. I've got number 68, Nick Lodolo and number 69, Chris Paddock. Ladolo, 112 stuff, 103 control, 86 FERA. Th- these Reds pitchers just like get shelled. I think there's that's got to come back a little bit. I like Ladolo a lot. Um, I liked him even before. Like, I was big on him last year. You probably remember. And
1: then yeah, I was too. Paddock.
0: Dude, Paddock was good with the Twins before he got hurt. And he's coming back. He's going to start insane control, 133 control, um, only average stuff, 100, 117 FERA. I think I I heard somewhere that when he came back with the Twins last year, he had learned a new pitch. Because remember, the whole thing with Paddock was that he's just fastball changeup and he has no other pitch. Mm -hmm. I can't remember what pitch it is, but I heard that he was off the top of my head, but I heard that he had learned a new pitch. Um and that's why he was pitching better last year. So I think getting Paddock back full time with the Padres, like they obviously I mean the twins, they obviously signed him long term. They they gave him a multi year deal when they acquired him. So and he's still young. He's still only like twenty six or something like that. Twenty six, twenty seven, something like that. So I think I'm buying back in on Lodolo and Paddock for nice like rebound candidates here. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I'm I wanna buy Lodolo, but Pepio was like my guy in this tier like like, I took some notes. <laughs> the first one is lazy analysis equals raise. <laughs> <laughs> Just follow the um, raise. He's got three above-average pitches, um, small sample sizes, but a lot of his numbers got better from 22 to 23. Barrel rate, barrels per plate appearances, launch angle, WOBA, X woba hard hit rate. His K rate went down slightly, like 3%, but his walk rate went down like thirteen and a half percent, and I don't think he's a two fourteen ERA pitcher, but his XERA was three point two, so yeah, I think the Rays at least have the wherewithal to help sustain those numbers. And that's like if he doesn't get any better, the only question is the workload. And he's the Rays, better,
0: dude. they're gonna teach him something new too. He's yeah, be
1: or just maximize something
0: that he does already. But, like, the, the Rays don't play like, games with their starters really anymore, though. Like, when their right. guys are healthy, they just kind of just let them ride. Like, look at Eflin, look at Savali. Like, they acquire guys they like and then they let them ride. Even like Springs like they, and Rasmussen before they got hurt. Taj, what about Taj last year? I felt like they tried to play games with Taj, but everyone else
1: got hurt, so they couldn't.
0: <sighs> I don't feel like they're trying to play games with him. I just think they were trying to figure him out. I feel like they can't figure out because he's got issues. Well, we'll talk about him next year. But he's got. He had issues last year, and like well, he got sent he down, down hit, when he was. He was getting hit so hard. He well, this is the thing with Taj. He's like a worse version of Hunter Green. Like that's what he is, dude. He's just a worse yeah. Hunter Green. And they're trying to figure out how he can not get rocked. But put him in the bullpen, send him up down, trying to figure him out. So, well, yeah, that's
1: the thing. I felt like his struggles were more mental. Like he was pitching really well. He got sent down, and then he just got demolished at AAA. And then they called him back up, and I felt like they took away his confidence. But. To get back to Lodolo, like, I want to buy so bad. I was in on him last year, but the ballpark and the health are big red flags. Uh, The stuff is filthy, though. And then, like, he only made, like, nine starts last year, but in two of them, he allowed 14 earned runs, and if you take those out, he had a 3.00 ERA. Like, you said the blow-up stats from the Reds pitchers have to come back, regress to the mean. Like, if they can... Or if he specifically can a stay healthy and b limit those blow up games, yeah i I'm buying at this price
0: yeah, like people fr- the thing is everyone is looking at the new shiny new toy right La dolo is is like an old toy now, so people are gonna two years ago a toy. toy yeah yeah, yeah, exactly so thedolo is like that's prime value right there um, we're already an hour in, and I wanted to at least get through two tiers because <laughs> there's just so many pictures to talk about. So let's try to bang through one more tier, and then we'll do like a deep league podcast on the rest of the guys next time. Just like we'll just kind of run through guys we like. Dude, this um, – I know it's a huge tier. We got another Okay, one. Let's,
1: just say, let's just save it for another podcast. Go watch your football game.
0: <laughs> Mizzou's winning 14-3. to Go Tigers. Boo Ohio State. Ohio State sucks.
1: Because uh, <laughs> I knew this was going to happen And so I didn't even look I, at the next I, tier
0: I, Dude I knew SPs were going to go through Three podcasts but I didn't think We were going to be looking at like four because at this pace We're going to like we're going to Only get through one or two tiers next time And then we're still going to have like 150 starter 100 plus Whatever starters because I Ranked I'm going to just t- Say that I ranked 253 Starting pitchers 253 starters dude I
1: can't believe Jackson Job's not on here
0: because he's not going to be this year. I was I looking at some of the names
1: you have on here. Like, how, how is he not better than some of these guys? Even though, like, it's not that he's not better. Chance. I it's just, I, I don't understand. I understand, but like, it's just ridiculous. No, I just made the it. T- I, I'm telling. I will not it, stand <laughs> for the Tigers' shame.
0: I'm telling you. I ran, It takes me 20 minutes to do each F score for each player. And when I saw Jackson Job's name, I was like, this dude is not playing in the major leagues this year because he's blocked fucking eight ways to Mongolia uh, (laughs) by the, by the great wall of Detroit that they built with, of starting pitchers. So I was just like, I'm not going to waste 20 minutes of my life when this dude's not going to play this year. (laughs) This is literally what it came down to. Now watch, he's going to fucking break camp and I'm going to look like an idiot.
1: So. <laughs> I'm just saying, like he was in A last year. Paul Skeens was in A last year. Ricky Teedman was in A last year. Like, there's a little bit of a double standard going on.
0: He, well, guess what? Paul Skeens pitches for Pittsburgh, and he's already the best pitcher in the entire organization. <laughs> so, <laughs> Jackson Jackson Job is blocked, bro. And Skeens is older than Job too. By the way,
1: so, yeah, wasn't that nuts? Remember, Job
0: was a high school draftee. Skeens was drafted out of college. So,
1: right, Skeens already older. Um, I think we should just put a pin in this.
0: That's yeah. my vote. Okay, 10-4. We will do that. And now watch. Everyone's gonna be like, oh, you should have let Tim go on for another hour on the next tier. <laughs> You're going to get comments on X like, oh, Raymond, you should have let Tim just ramble on for another fucking tier. <laughs> so... <laughs> um... All right, we'll hit it next time. We'll try to get two tiers because these are all big tiers. They're just – it's not even just one glob, dude. There's multiple globs. Like three globs, yeah. No, not even three globs because this is the tiers. Let's let's talk about this for a second before we sign off. Tier one is four guys, tier two is like seven or eight guys, tier three is like seven or eight guys, tier four is like 20, tier five is like 25, tier six is 25, tier seven is like 30, tier eight is like 50, and then tier nine and 10 are like 60 guys each because those are just like okay. Basically, tier nine. the last two tiers are just like who's on waivers in 12-team leagues and then who's on waivers in 15-team leagues, right? That's the way I think about it. It's like, okay, waivers for deep leagues and then waivers for standard leagues. So um, that's the way that the guys are all tiered out. So we have giant globs, giant, giant globs.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, it makes sense. Like when you're talking about a sample size of – like it's the biggest sample size – of any player pool, and like yeah. there's so many moving parts of like injuries and everything else that there's so many guys who become relevant, and like when you're trying to differentiate between 260 players rather than 90, like the the differences between them get a lot smaller.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like for instance, like uh, how many outfielders did you rank? I probably 180 or something like that. Let's see. Let's look up for context. So outfielders, I ranked, oh, dude, I almost called it 184 outfielders.
1: Still, and that's the next biggest player pool. Yeah. So you're talking 80 extra
0: players. Actually, relievers, relievers are the second biggest. I, want, I'm going to, I think I ranked 150 relievers or something like that. Uh, just because for people who play saving holds or people who play Atenu like us, where you have to have five relievers in a 16 team league. <laughs>
1: and if you uh, want them all to play every day, you need seven or eight relievers. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, so I ranked 144 relievers.
1: Dude, I was trying to trade for two more Tigers relievers in Atenu the other day. I forget which team, but they have Andrew Schaefin and Jason Foley. I was just like, give me them both.
0: <laughs> or Alex Lang. I forget. They have. Yeah. Well, they got the ballpark on their side. So why not? Right. <laughs>
1: yeah. Shelby right. Miller. Shelby Miller is going to be a Raymond oh. target in that league. I,
0: yeah. I was, listening to, I was listening to another podcast and they were saying that Shelby is a closure sleeper that yep. apparently he wanted to sign somewhere where he was going to have a chance to close games. Yep. and they they're, assume, they're assuming that detroit gave him, or gave him the possibility that hey like you're going to compete for saves not necessarily there's, that you're going to be the closer but that you're going to compete for saves
1: there's bonuses written into his contract for games finished yeah and they signed him for like a team option for next year too so you ready for a raymond stat so we can, you can go watch football
0: yeah, even though this game only has four minutes left in and out. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, most singles in an MLB season
1: in any of the last 90 years. Ichiro Suzuki has four of the top five. Uh, 225 in 04, 203 in 07, 192 in 01, and 186 in 06. And Wade Boggs is the only non-Suzuki in 1985. He had 187 singles
0: really wade boggs i was thinking it was going to be like ted williams or something like that
1: or somebody who could fly like d gordon or something it
0: makes sense though wade wade boggs was uh, like didn't he have a year where he hit like 360 or 370 or something like that yeah that's probably the year where he did it that's probably also the year that he drank like 20 beers on an airplane or whatever oh Um, yeah i remember that story (laughs) yeah there's a whole always sunny episode about it have you seen that
1: yeah <laughs> don't they like track 'em. i dude i need to watch that show i have a yeah. buddy who swears by it
0: it's the best that show's the best the old ones I, are better I, though like the, the the last couple of seasons are definitely worse i'd say like their prime was, was like season like four through eight or something like that
1: one of my favorite ones is when they play like charlie mcdennis or whatever when they're like <laughs> frank you get to eat a cake and he's like, "Oh, that doesn't sound so bad." And they're like, "No, you have to eat the ingredients of a cake."
0: <laughs> that show is so good. Uh, there's there's too many episodes, like the the where they have the play, the one where the episode where they have the play, and Frank's the troll. Like, <laughs> and then the one where they get the boat. Uh, that, that's yeah, one of my favorite because, episodes where they get the because boat. Because the, like, it's, it's the, the implications, implications. <laughs> the implications. Like
1: yeah. I don't know, man. That sounds awful, like rapey. Like no, <laughs> they'll just know because the, <laughs> this <is> the implication <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's just awesome uh <laughs> you maybe want to watch it now all right well that's it that's an episode Please. we'll see you next time follow us on the x follow us on the 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 new x uh at fantasy ace ball and at raymond atherton and subscribe to the show give us ratings and reviews nobody does that how hard is it to click the little five star button on your last or your spotify thing just just click the little button. While you're listening right now, I'm going to give you five seconds to close up the show if you appreciate us. If you want to give Raymond and I a happy new year, then press that little five-star button and tell us you did it. Say, I did it. Yay! With a little emoji or whatever. But thank you. We appreciate it. And we'll see you next time. Later. bye